1: Let all things be done decently and in order. God is a God of order. His house must be a house of order. The church must be in order. There was order in the law. There was order in the priesthood in the Old Testament. There was order in the sacrifices. There was order in how to build the tabernacle. There was order in the very beginning with creation.
0: Can we all agree that often this world feels like chaos? In today's message, Pastor Eddie says that God is a God of order. He started the world with order and wants order. When you're feeling lost and confused, remember that if you trust God with your life, you have assurance and hope in Christ. He alone can bring order to a lost and broken world. You have a hope. His name is Jesus. There will be a day when every knee bows at his name. Well. Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Titus chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Qualifications in Ministry of Elders.
1: We're going to read Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 16. Verses 5 through 16 of Titus chapter 1. Paul writes For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking, and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissip- uh, dissipation or insubordination, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who who contradict. But there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of circumcision, whose mouth must be stopped, who subvert whole household, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons, (laughs) that is. This testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure, but even their minds and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. The last time we were together, we began our study of the book of Titus. We looked at the background, the who, what, where, and why of this letter. The book of Titus was written by the Apostle Paul around A.D. 62 to A.D. 65. Paul wrote this letter to Titus. And the reason Paul wrote this letter is found in the fifth verse of chapter one. Titus chapter one, verse five. It says, for this reason, I left you in Crete. That you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. The churches in Crete were not sound. They were not healthy churches because there was no leadership. There was no elders. There was no pastors. And to make matters worse, there were false teachers everywhere. The theme, we looked at the theme of this book, and it is the right doctrine, right living. Right doctrine, right living. In regards to right doctrine, Paul writes in verse 9 of chapter 1, it says, Holding fast the faithful word, as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine, the word sound is mentioned five times in this letter. In all three, it's only three chapters. Sound is mentioned five times. And the word sound in the Greek is hagiano. Hagiano. I guess I pronounced it right, but anyhow. And it means to be well, to be in good health. And if Christians and the church, they can't, we cannot be well. We cannot be in health, good health. Spiritually, if we're not doctrinally sound in the Word of God. And many of you know, many Christians, they fall, then go into this cycle where they go, and they, they have a relationship with God, and then they drift away, and then they have a relationship with God, they're like a tumbleweed, no roots. And because they're not in sound doctrine, it's not healthy. Also, not only is it right doctrine, but also right living. In Titus chapter 3, verse 8, it says, For this is a faithful saying, and things which I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works, So it's right living. Having the right doctrine and the result of having good sound doctrine is having right living. Now we looked at the, the chapter outline of this book. Chapter 1 will give us the leaderships of the church where we're going to finish and conclude. Chapter 2, the right doctrine. And then chapter 3, right living. So we're going to continue. And we're going to look at verses 5 through 16. Verses 5 through 16. And Paul gives instructions to Titus to appoint elders in the churches throughout the city of this island of Crete. And so Titus is, is to appoint elders throughout Crete. They are to be qualified leaders. There's qualifications to be a leader in the church. And then there's responsibilities for the leaders of the church. So for those of you who are taking notes, in verses 5 through 9, verses 5 through 9, Paul gives us the qualification of an elder qualification of an elder, and that's in verses 5 through 9. In verses 10 through 16, Paul gives us the ministry of an elder. That's the verses 10 through 16, the ministry of an elder. Now before we begin our verse-by-verse study, I think it's important for us to look at the titles that's given to us in verse 5 and in verse 7. There are two biblical titles, in here, in this text, number one is an elder. Now, the word "elder" in the Greek is presbyteros, and we get the English word presbyterian. It's mentioned sixty-six times in the New Testament, and it means one who's advanced, mature in life, a senior, or one that's advanced and mature in life spiritually. But for the text before us, it's referring to those who are mature spiritually okay so that's the elder. A second title we're going to look at is a bishop and the word bishop in the Greek is episkopos and we get the English word episcopalian from that. It's mentioned only five times in the New Testament and it means overseer, an investigator, an inspector okay. Those are two biblical titles for leadership. I want to give you one more because for the sake of uh, you know the common title we use today is pastor. It's not in our text, but it is biblical. And it's the word pastor. That's the title. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Notice the and there in the text. And some pastors and teachers. So it's pastors and teachers. There are some who have the title in the church that are pastors, but they're not teachers per se. Okay? One who leads a church must be a pastor and a teacher. You could read 1 Timothy chapter 3 to find out the qualification of a pastor is one who's apt to teach. One who's apt to teach. And so all these biblical titles, elder, bishop, pastor... Okay, they are used in the scriptures synonymously, interchangeably. Okay, you're going to find it all has the same responsibility. And those are biblical titles. We're not discussing deacons because deacons are not necessarily they're leaders in the church, but they're not leading the church as a whole. They're servants. And you can study that also in 1 Timothy chapter 3. The word reverend you won't find because it's not a biblical term. OK, so if you know a uh, reverend is not biblical, it's not you won't even find it in the Bible. Matter of fact, you'll find it in the King James Version in the Psalms. But the word reverend means to fear. I don't fear man. The Bible tells me I fear God. So reverend is not a biblical title. OK, but we're looking at three. And for the sake for our study, because we commonly use pastor today, I'm going to use the word pastor or elder. But you know we're talking about one of the same. Okay? Okay, now, we read the text. We looked at the titles that are in the text. Let us study the text verse by verse. Titus chapter 1, verse 5. Paul writes, For this reason I left you in Crete. Why did Paul leave Titus, his true son in the faith, in this beautiful island called Crete? Well, he goes on to say that you should set in order the things that are lacking. Set in order the things that are lacking. Now obviously the beginning of the churches in Crete, we don't know who started the church. It doesn't tell us. There's two views as to who started the churches in Crete. Number one, it could be the Cretans themselves. Because if you remember at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, there were people from Crete there. There were people from Crete there. On the day of Pentecost, the birth of the church, when the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, and about 120 in the upper room, right? That's when the Holy Spirit came upon them. The church was birthed from there. Outside, there were Cretans out there, and they were hearing, they heard this rushing wind that just made it to this building. And all of a sudden, people were talking in different languages, Acts chapter 2, verse 11, it says this, Cretans and Arabs. It says, we hear them speak it in our own tongues, meaning our own language, the wonderful word of God. So could it be the Cretans who started the churches in Crete? Or could it be the Apostle Paul? And we know about Paul's three missionary journeys. But if you have the Bible, you know, with the map at the back, and you see his fourth missionary journey, Paul made it to Crete. Paul made it to Crete. So whether it was the Cretans that were saved at the day of Pentecost, because you remember after they spoke in tongues and they said, these guys are drunk. Peter, foot in mouth, Peter, you know, that guy that's always getting himself in trouble with Jesus. He preached the gospel and it says 3000 gave their lives to the Lord. So they could have been part of this group that surrendered their lives to the Lord. Well, whether it's the Cretans or the Apostle Paul uh, during his fourth missionary journey, we don't know. But there's a problem now. There's a problem now. As with every church. Every church has problems. Every denomination throughout the centuries, even in the first church you find in the book of Acts, you read it, there was problems. Why is there a problem in the church? Because of People. Yeah. Not because of the Holy Spirit. Of God, Jesus, I build my church, but oy vey, people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there was a problem. And Paul sent Titus to set things in order. So obviously what's opposite of that? Things were out of order, right? They were out of order. If there were a church like the church of Philippi, he would have wrote a letter of joy, right? Four chapters, the book of Joy, the book of Philippians. If they needed to be taught things about grace over works, he would have wrote a letter like he wrote to the Galatians, right? It's a book about grace, not about legalism, religion. If he wanted to uh, write a letter to them about the second coming of Christ, he would have wrote a letter to them like he wrote to the Thessalonians in Thessalonica. But there was a problem with order there was a problem with order, just as it was with the church of Corinth. Corinth, they had big problems. Paul had to write two letters to them, right? First and second Corinthians. Boy, you people have issues, but they had problems also in their services. Their services were out of order. People were hanging from the chandelier, and people were rolling over the floor, barking like dogs, called unbiblical practices, and it was a mess. It was a sloppy agape kind of fellowship. And so what did Paul write to them, to the church in Corinth? In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, I'll give it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, for God is not a God of disorder. He's not a God of disorder, but of peace as in all meetings of God's holy people. Whenever we meet God's God, that's why we have order in the church. Nobody just start jumping up and speaking in tongues because we'll escort you out with love. Bible says in order, okay? And so if you bring attention to yourself, then you're not in order. You can't say, "Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit." You could feel with your earlobes or your toes. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. The Holy Spirit cannot contradict itself. You can say, "Oh, it's the Holy Spirit." No, if God, the Holy Spirit can force you to do something, it'll force you at the cross. Okay so there needed to be order in the worship services and then also in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 30 he goes on to say let all things be done decently and in order God is a God of order. His house must be a house of order. The church must be in order. There was order in the law. There was order in the priesthood in the Old Testament. There was order in the sacrifices. There was order in how to build the tabernacle. There was order in the very beginning with creation. There was order even before creation because God is a God of order. And everything he does is in order. So Paul sends Titus to set things in order, the things that are lacking. To set in order, it's really a medical term. And and, and it, it was applied to the setting of crooked limbs. So back in those days when Paul, he's actually using a medical term that they're very familiar with. Okay? And it means to set things that are crooked. So Titus to set things in order, set straight. And what it was, what is it that he was trying to set in order is doctrine and practices. Doctrine and practices in the church. So in verse 5, he goes on to say, for this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. This is exactly what Paul the Apostle did. Remember when he was with Barnabas? When he was with Barnabas, when they went to Elystra, Iconium, Antioch, it says that they appointed elders in the church. That is part of the plan of the church. To You know, once the church gets to a certain size, my opinion, my opinion, okay, don't say, hey, this is what Pastor Eddie said. My opinion, I don't think a church should be 200, 300, no, I'll say 500 or 1,000, and the church hasn't planted any churches. By that time, when you have a church about 300, 500, you should be sending people out, not just anybody, because everybody wants to be a pastor, and you could be a pastor ordained online. Yeah, seriously, you could be ordained. You want to be ordained? Go online. It's not biblical. But I think the church should be sending people out. This is what the apostle Paul did. In Acts chapter 14, verse 23, it says, so when they, speaking of Paul and Barnabas, had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commanded them to the Lord in whom they had believed. The church should be flourishing. The church should be growing. And here, Titus was commanded by the apostle Paul. He now has the authority acting as an apostolic agent on behalf of the Apostle Paul, and he's appointing elders. Now, with that said, appointing elders, we're going to look at the qualifications, the biblical qualifications of what is required of an elder, pastor, bishop. Because sadly, throughout the history of the church, throughout the centuries, every denomination, now hear me clearly, Every denomination has added to the requirements, the biblical requirements, or taken out some of the requirements, or have done both, added and taken out. And this is why there's problems with leadership. Well, there's always be problems with leadership. You could say, well, there's problems. Yes, that's problem everywhere. Hey, you know, no one can say, hey, Pastor Eddie, you should have thought twice before you point to someone. You know, I hear that. Not a lot, but I hear other people say that to others. Well, you're going to need to think... Tw- well, we know that. Did you tell God, hey, Lord, you should have thought about Lucifer before you created him? <laughs> or you should have say, Jesus, you are the one who appointed Judas, right? Is inevitable. Because of what? People. Okay? But they have added or take away from the biblical requirements of what it is to, to be a pastor, the qualifications the requirements before they ordain anyone. And nowadays it's just by election. And what happens with election? Okay, we know what happens with elections, right? <laughs> but what happens is the most popular guy or is the guy who ties the most? That's not the way God picks people. He told Samuel, Samuel, you look at man in the outward appearance, I look at man at the heart. Okay? Samuel was looking for a nice, for the next king of Israel. And he was looking at all of the sons, and he said, hey, there's one more missing. Yeah, he's out, and he's the youngest one. He smells like sheep. You don't want him in here. He's outside. And it was King David. So, you know, it's different. When God appoints, God elects, ordain, it'll be obvious, the fruit of their ministry, but there are requirements, requirements. Now, with that said, I want you to pay attention because you may say, well, this text, pastor, it doesn't apply to me. I have no intentions of becoming a pastor. I have no intention to go to cemetery. I mean, seminary. Some of you got it. You already began your barbecue, which is tomorrow. Okay, stay here. No, just kidding. Um, But here, think about this. It's applicable for all of us. Okay, it's two reasons. Number one, why you need to read this. Number one, it's in the Bible. Number two, so that you would know what's required of me. Or if you plan, if you're visiting here, You're visiting us. You want to know what is required biblically from a pastor. Looking for a church, you need to find out what's required of a pastor. And thirdly, it's applicable for all of us. So we're going to see, and we'll find this at the end. Now, verses six through nineteen is going to give us, and we're studying verse five through nine. I'm sorry, verses five through nine, where we're going to find qualifications of a pastor. But in verses six through nine, we're going to look at 18 requirements, 18 requirements, 18 requirements that qualifies one to be a pastor in the house of God biblically, okay, biblically, and you're going to find, I'm going to let you know right up front, you're not going to find here where it says you need a degree, you're not going to find that, it's important, I'm not knocking it down, it's good, you know, study the Bible, go to Bible college, but you're going to find that's not a requirement here, okay, so 18 requirements, and they're broken up into two. There's the positive, there are positive, and then there's negative in these 18 requirements of a pastor, okay? So the negative characteristics of a pastor, the negative things a pastor must avoid. Pastor must avoid some of these negative requirements, and then there are positive qualities a pastor must pursue, okay? So it's broken up into their 18 from verses 6 through 9. Let's look at the first one. The biblical qualification of an elder or a pastor is if it's a man, a man is blameless, number one. That doesn't mean he's sinless. That doesn't mean he's perfect, but blameless. In other words, no charge of serious wrong can be sustained against him. He is to be above reproach.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today here on Running the Race. Pastor Eddie has been talking us through the book of Titus. As you read through this book, you'll learn that Paul really emphasized that the foundational roots of Christianity are found in believing that Jesus, God the Son, came as a human and lived with humanity as his ministry came to fruition. If people don't believe that Jesus is God and that he was also fully man, then there's not much to stand on when it comes to your faith. We trust that this study through Titus is bringing you to a deeper realization of who Jesus is as you walk with him today. If you're looking for help applying this to your life, here's Jessica with an invitation just for you.
2: We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com.
0: Thanks, Jessica. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. For the rest of us, remember that you can find more messages from Pastor Eddie on that same website, runningtheraceradio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast to have these teachings with you on the go. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're excited to learn more from the book of Titus, here on Running the Race.